You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Have a good day. The following audio drama is rated G, which means it's perfectly safe for folks and families of all ages. Yes, even Grandma. Enjoy. Jake Dimes, Range Detective, in Santa's Stolen Toy Sack, A Tale of Christmas in the Old West, starring the Narada Radio Company. Today we present as our annual holiday gift to our Narada Radio listeners... A Christmas Tale of Jake Dimes, the traveling investigator for the Pinkelson Detective Agency in Celestial City, USA. And we can't have a Jake Dimes story without Briar Buck, his jolly sidekick, can we? The events in this story take place prior to the storyline in our earlier serial. As our story opens, Jake and Buck are attending the annual Christmas party for the Pinkelson Agency at the brand new Cosmopolite Hotel in the heart of the Celestial City Business District. The party is going strong, with the operatives and their wives and families all having a wonderful time. The president of the agency, Mr. Woodrow Pinkelson himself, is making a short announcement. And so, ladies, gentlemen, and children... Thank you for another successful year of business, and have a good time. This soiree is for you as a token of my appreciation. And children, be patient, because I have heard from a very reliable source that Santa Claus himself will be paying us a visit very soon. Nice speech, Mr. Pinkelson, sir. Uh, Never mind that, Dimes. Where's that sidekick of yours? Briar Buck? Well, sir, he's in another room, squeezing into that Santa Claus suit so he can pass out presents to all the kids. Good, good, fine, fine. These, uh, <clears throat> children, uh, getting rather boisterous, don't you think? They're probably bored, sir, but waiting for Santa Claus to show up and pass yes, out. Yes, yes, true enough, Dimes. Have I ever told you, Dimes, how much I admire your <clears throat> extemporaneous manner of speech? Um, how's that again, sir? Your, uh, your gift of gab. Oh, I thank you, Mr. Pinkelson. Um, sir? So why don't you help these uh, urchins pass the time, eh? And keep them occupied. Sir? Tell them a story. Sir? A Christmas story. Entertain them as only you can. Uh, go on. There's a good fellow. Y- y- yes, sir. I'll try to come up with something. Something, sir. Something. But what? Oh, hey, howdy, kids. Hi, Jake. You know, I thought it might be a nice idea if I came over and spun a yarn for you while you're all waiting for Santa Claus to show up. How'd you like that idea? Well, all righty. Everybody just sit down in a nice circle then, okay? 
I got just the perfect Christmas tale to tell you, and every word of it is true. You ready? Okay. Now, a few years back, my old pal Briar Buck and me, we was doing a job in around the Rocky Mountains in Colorado Territory. And there was this feller we knew named Pop Jekyllin, who was a gold prospector, and he lived up around Bobcat Gulch. Pop Jekyllin, he were middle-aged and lean, with salt and pepper hair and a droopy mustache, which made him look sad. But even though he looked that way, he was happy. And who wouldn't be with four sweet kids to look after? Pop lived with Martha, who was 14, and Eddie, who was 8. And then there was the twins, Cap and Kitty, who was 4 years old. Pop had took them in the summer before, after their folks was drowned in a mountain torrent. Yes, that was sad, but Pop did his best to love them, and make sure they had everything he could give. Well, my story starts up about two weeks before Christmas, and Pop's cabin in Bobcat Gulch was absolutely surrounded by Christmas trees. Every day, them four young'uns would press their noses again the winter, staring out at silver or white fir trees and long-limbered red firs and bristly spruces, all of them looking purdy and duded up with decorations of snow and ice. But of course, nary a one of them had a glass ball, nor a string of popcorn, nor a shiny brass horn to blow on Christmas morning. Now you might think them young'uns would be downhearted about spending Christmas that way, but they was game little tads they was, every one of them. And Pop, he laid in a good supply of food and they wasn't none of them hungry or cold while Pop pecked away with his pick in his prospect tunnel. And he had promised him that if the snow didn't get too deep, he'd head over the divide and down to Vallecitos to make certain arrangements with one Mr. Santa Claus for a sack full of candy and toys to be delivered in their stockings on Christmas morning. But with ever new snow, the prospect of going to Vallecitos looked bleaker and bleaker. Pop made his droopy mustache turn upwards in a smile when he talked to the kids, though his own heart was heavy for more reasons than one. Never you mind, Cap. There's still sugar in the sack. And if the snow keeps on, me and Marthy will make you some Christmas candy. And a popgun pop? And a dolly for Kitty? We'll see, Cap, little pal. We'll see. Every week brought another snow to deepen the drifts of the divide and Pop's supply of gold ore stayed pitifully small. Pop knew where the gold was, just a short distance away, in Joe McGillis's claim. But old Joe, much older than Pop, skinny and starved and too weak to work it, would snarl like a wolf at anybody who dared suggest a partnership that might mean wealth for both of them. While Joe had even gone so far as to threaten to shoot Pop if he came nosing around anymore. So there they were, Pop Jekyllin, able-bodied and willing to go in and dig out the gold, and old Joe, too miserly and distrustful and hateful to permit another fella to do what he couldn't. So naturally, being a family man now, Pop had a lot of sleepless nights, worrying about the kids and wishing that Joe McGillis would be more reasonable. Well, the weather cleared up about a week before Christmas, and the sun came out. Pop kissed Martha, Eddie, Cap and Kitty goodbye, and with a sack full of gold ore slung across his back, headed off for Vallecitos. Remember, 
Take care of each other while I'm gone. And don't venture too far away from the cabin, you hear? Your pop, together with Mr. Santa Claus, is going to be back here Christmas Eve, little fellers, with an old sack plumb full of Christmas. A pop gun pop? And a dolly for Kitty? Sure thing, Cap. But are you going to walk that whole way, Pop? Nope. Once I get over the divide, I'll drop down to see Jackie Keys at his ranch and borrow a pony to take me the rest of the way into the village, Marthy. With good luck, I should be back, oh, by noon, Christmas Eve. I'll be seeing ya. A little while after he'd crossed the summit of the range, Pop passed the slanted cabin of old Joe McGillis. He hadn't intended to stop, but at the sight of the old feller, looking so lonesome and skinny in his doorway, a rush of pity came over him. And then, the spirit of Christmas seemed to warm his veins, driving out any memory of old Joe's stubborn meanness. <sighs> Howdy, McGillis, and a Merry Christmas to you in advance. I'm on my way out for some Santa Claus for the kids, and... What shall I bring you back for a bit of cheer? Some tobacco? Or maybe a chunk of salt pork? Santa Claus. Christmas, huh? It's all out of bunk. Get on your way. Get now. As he turned away from that ramshackle cabin, he muttered, That darned old coot. But Pop had noticed something in old Joe's eyes. Something wistful shining in there that belied the anger in his words. Back at Pop's cabin the next day, it started snowing again. Little Cap and Kitty, they was old enough to realize that snow had hindered their Pop's return, and it upset them something fierce. Martha tried to console them, but they weren't having none of it. After a few minutes, eight-year-old Eddie jeered, Oh, you act like a couple of babies. I bet Pop ain't crying, and he's probably out in it too. Come here, Cap, and I'll whittle you out a wooden gun. No, a really one. I want a really one. Dolly will want a dolly. Want my pop. He'll be here. Don't worry. Anyway, by Christmas Eve. Martha said these words to give hope to her baby brother and sister. But she knew these mountains, and she doubted her own hope. And her doubts were well-founded. Over from Old Mike and the other skyline peaks to the northeast, there whirled a blizzard, a drifting, stinging blizzard, throwing inches and inches of snow, not only atop the mountains, but out to the mesas and foothills, even down to the village where Pop Jekyll had finally arrived and traded in his gold ore for spending money. And that's where Jake and me met up with him. Huh? What? Why, Briar Buck? How long have you been standing there behind me? Oh, just a minute or so. Telling the kids about Pop Jacqueline, eh? Yeah, but I thought you had to go and do something important. Hmm? <laughs> oh, I got plenty of time, old pal. So, as I was saying... And that little old village of Valley Cetos was where Jake and me met up with Pop Jekyllin. <sighs> That's right. Buck and me, we'd just rolled into town ourselves, 
just ahead of the blizzard and thar in the general store. Why, yes, Mr. Jacklin, I do believe your children will have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you, ma'am. I sure am glad you had such a fine, pretty doll for my kitty. And this pop gun for Kath. <laughs> now, let's see. There's popcorn and candy and presents for Eddie and Marthy, too. Why, just look at that pretty Christmas paper. Why, Briar Buck, ain't you a sight for sore eyes. How you been, feller? Just fine, Pop. Fat and sassy. <laughs> Howdy, Mr. Jacklin. And Jake Dimes. Hiya! I reckon I should have expected it. You can't see one of you fellers without the other showing up a minute later. <laughs> I reckon that's right, Pop. How's the prospecting game? Well, it could be better. It could be better. But I'm making do. Well, it's all we can ask for sometimes, ain't it? Say, you ain't heading out again into that blizzard, are you? Well, I got to. My kids are expecting me. And, uh, Santa Claus. Oh, that's right. I recollect hearing tell about you adopting them for Moss kids. You got a good heart, Pop. That's for sure. But you can't go out now. You'd never make it back to Bobcat Gulch in this storm. Fellas, now look. It's two days before Christmas. Like it or not, them kids is right now pressing their noses again to Cabot and Winder, watching every minute for me. And time's a-wasting. Thanks for your concern, though. Merry Christmas. And just like that, kids, Pop Jicklin picked up his bundle and took it outside, strapped it to his pony's back, and headed out of Vallecitos. <sighs> and now, Briar Buck, I think it's high time you went and did that, um, <clears throat> thing you was supposed to be doing already. Hey? Huh? Oh, 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 yeah. All righty, pard. An hombre's gotta do what an hombre's gotta do. I reckon I'll be seeing you. <laughs> now where was I? Oh yeah. Pop set out from Viacitos on that pony he'd got from Jack Yaquez. But fortune was not his friend as he made his way through them snowdrifts. His little mount didn't like the snow, it gave Pop no end of trouble. As night came on, and the storm showing no signs of slowing down, the ponies suddenly reared up in fear at the sight of a snow-shrouded stump, slipped on the steep slope and went down. When the pony got up again, poor old Pop just lay there for a minute, kinda stunned like, his ankle hurting him something fierce. But he got up on his feet, mounted up, and forced the pony onto the Yakez cabins. There, with hot water and liniment for his sore ankle, he rested for the night, hoping the storm would stop. Toward dawn, though, it hadn't. So with breakfast eaten and a lunch in his pack, he put on his snowshoes and prepared to go on afoot over the protests of his rancher friend. It's suicide, Jacqueline. The kids will be all right without you. Wait till this storm is over. Tomorrow is Christmas, Jack. But it won't be for them unless I get in with this here polka stuff. Oh, I'll make it all right. Don't worry. You sure I can convince you otherwise? I know you're a strong feather, and I know you got plenty of experience walking with snowshoes, but... Now, Jack, I got enough doubts of my own without you throwing more on me. Sooner I get it going, sooner I'll be up at my cabin and with my kids. So long, and thanks for everything. 
An hour after dusk, Pop Jekyllin, covered in snow, plumb wore out, floundered up upon a group of shadows in the dark that he recognized as Old Joe's cabins. He stumbled up to a door and called out, McGillis! Joe McGillis! Who is it? What do you want? Jacqueline? What in tarnation do you want? I'm done out, Joe. Let me in. Christmas and eh? <laughs> well, I ain't especially fond of company. I reckon there ain't no help for it. Come on in. Afore the glowing fireplace, Pop laid down his burden, took off his snowshoes and his wrappings, and stretched out his half-chilled body. His host offered neither conversation nor food. In the flickering red light of the fire, Pop could swear that old Joe's scraggly whiskered face looked more haggard and his eyes looked more sunk in than when he'd seen him a few days before. Exhausted as he was, Pop couldn't help but feel a pang of pity for the poor old feller. After a few more minutes of silence, Pop spoke up. It's Christmas Eve, Joe. I thought I could make it back to him by now. Poor little critters waiting up there all alone. But there ain't a chance now. Most likely not even tomorrow. Me with his ankle all blowed up. <sighs> Just think of it. Christmas Eve and no Santa Claus for the kids. There you go, Christmasing around again. Makes me plumb sick to hear you. All bunk, I tell you, all bunk. The faintness of the old man's muttering brought another pang of pity to Pop's heart even as he felt his anger rise from Joe's words. Then suddenly it came to him why old Joe hadn't offered him supper. He had none to give. Joe was starving and was too proud to admit it. Well, Pop, he rummaged around in his Christmas sack and pulled out two packages. One was part of the lunch Yaquez had given him. The other was a bag of popcorn and candy. Without a word, Pop rested the packages on the old man's skinny lap. You'd better eat some, Joe. You'll feel better. The other feller obeyed, but offered no word of thanks to Pop. As the younger man fell asleep on his pallet afore the fire, he remembered how old Joe had come to the mountains. It were a sad story, about a death at Christmas time, and Pop's remembrance soon turned to dreaming, and then to an exhausted sleep, a long slumber that was almost death-like itself, since he had toiled so long and so hard that day. And when he awoke many hours later, there was a chill in the room. Only a few red embers lay fading on the fireplace. The snow had finally stopped and everything was quiet. Too quiet. For Pop noticed that he was alone in the cabin. Old Joe was gone and with him, his bag of Christmas goodies. Poor old Pop was beside himself with grief and pain and anger. What had Joe done? Where had he gone with that sack? Had he been serious about hating Christmas and took it to a mine shaft and tossed it down? Pop didn't know what to do. He waited for Joe to come back, but after a few hours, he realized he'd have to go and try and find him. As he limped around the cabin, getting dressed and putting on his snowshoes, Pop listened in vain for any sounds of the old man coming back. Finally, he opened the cabin door. The biting cold air slapped him in the face. Moonlight shone upon the snow, 
and showed Pop a series of man tracks leading away from the cabin that could only be Joe McGillis's. I swear, if old Joe has gone out and hid my kids' Christmas presents, or thrown them out in the snow, or just wandered off loco and lost them, don't want that varmint's hide, Carn sarn him! And Carn sarn you too, Pop Jekyllin, for sleeping so soundly. Ugh, that's God, that why I was thinking about it, don't know what to do with it. Pop set out to follow old Joe's tracks in the frosty moonlight, but it were slow going to be sure, what with his bad ankle. And it weren't too long before Pop noticed that the tracks he was following didn't lead to any mine tunnel. Instead, they went uphill. Up and up and up, along the snow-hidden trail that led to Bobcat Gulch. Half frozen with the cold and half with fear, Pop followed. His ankle throbbed with pain, but he ignored it. As the morning sun filtered through the snow-capped trees of Bobcat Gulch and glinted on the roof of the Jekyllin cabin, its owner at last came inside of it. Ahead of him, the tracks wallowed and wobbled up to the cabin and disappeared at the door. Smoke curled from the chimney, but there weren't no noses flattened again the winder and no eager eyes watching for him. Pop eased up to a winder, afeard of what he might see. But then a slow grin appeared under his frosty mustache and something strangely like tears warmed the coldness of his eyes. For inside he saw old Joe the frost and snow still clinging to his old raggedy clothes, but with a look of joy in his sunken eyes, unloading with trembling hands a snowy bag of Christmas toys and candies. And around him, fairly dancing with delight, was Martha, Eddie, Cap, and Kitty. Christmas had not failed him after all. But suddenly, Pop saw old Joe slump to the floor. In a jiffy, Pop was inside, and he and Martha had him up on a bed. For a quick second, Pop gathered up all his youngins, gave him a tight hug, and then turned back to rub life into the starved, worn-out body of old Joe McGillis. It were an hour or so before the old feller opened his eyes, but when he did, it were to smile weakly. The old snarl gone from his lips. Pop gripped his hand and said, God bless you, Joe, and a Merry Christmas to you, too. Oh, Jack, with all this air crazy Christmas, and I just figured you wouldn't be able to make it, so I come on ahead with the stuff. Now you just forget it, and let's talk mining a while. I'm needing a partner for that mother load claim of mine, Pop. Look at Pop! I got a pop gun! Dolly, I got a dolly! Are you Santa Claus really? He sure is, Kitty. Give him a nice kiss. Mm. Oh. Now, now, I, 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 I still say Christmas is bunk. <laughs> the end. <laughs> well, kids, how'd you like my story? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And now, youngins, I got a very special surprise for you. Yup, here he comes now, my very good pal, Mr. Santa Claus himself. Howdy, my little old pards. Merry Christmas. 
Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, little fella. You been good? Now, don't you go fibbing to me none. You know I know the answer already. Here's a present for you. Here's a present for you. And how about you? Are you well, Dimes, nice I must say that was an impressive yarn. Right, Mighty clever, young man. Thank you, Mr. Pinkleson, sir. It's a true story, you know. Uh, of course it is. Uh, of course it is, my boy. <laughs> yes, indeed, you just might be in the wrong line of work. What's that, sir? But I hope you'll continue to use all of your <clears throat> unique skills as one of my best operatives. Merry Christmas, Dimes. Oh, you bet I will, sir. You bet I will. And a Merry Christmas to you too, sir. That was Santa's stolen toy sack. A very special Jake Dimes range detective adventure. Adapted from a short story by S. Omar Barker and directed by Pete Lutz. Our cast consisted of the following players. Dana Gonzalez as Jake Dimes. Glenn Haskell as Mr. Pinkelson. Austin Beach as Briar Buck. John Bell as Pop Jekyllin, Owen McEwen as old Joe McGillis, Agnes McEwen as Cap, Eloise McEwen as Kitty, Aubrey Miller as Martha, and Sebastian Ruiz as Eddie, with additional voices by Lisa Michaud, Phil Boyd Studge, Anna Ruiz, Evie Elizondo, Crosby Miller, Eva Huckabee, Ian Robertson, and Jacqueline Robertson. The music was The Winter's Past by Wayne Barlow. The Jake Dimes theme was composed by Pete Lutz, arranged and performed by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. This is Cannonball Kelly speaking on behalf of our director and the entire Narada Radio Company. I wish you a very happy holiday season. audio. This is mutual. Just in time for the holidays. Everything old is new again. Repellent Pictures. 
the studio that brought you Santa Claus vs. the Mullahs, proudly presents a retelling of the classic Frank Capra picture, It's a Wonderful Life. Let's go back to sleepy, tiny Bedford Falls, home of hard-working George Bailey, played by James Stewart, and money-grubbing old miser Mr. Potter, portrayed by Lionel Barrymore. Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. People were human beings to my father, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loan. I know very well what you're talking about. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on, and it's galling you. That's what you're talking about, I know. Well, I've said too much. I... You're the board here. You do what you want with this thing. Just one more thing, though. What? This! Don't miss this heartfelt, heartwarming, heart-pounding Christmas tale. Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Sentence. Now playing at all fine cinemas. And released by... Repellent Pictures. <laughs>